This episode is brought to you by Wanted. Wanted is a career platform from Korea with over 10,000 companies and 2 million plus users using the platform for talent recruitment and career growth. Since 2015, Wanted's mission has been to bring fulfillment and happiness to professionals around the world, offering the best job opportunities and best-in-class career content to support professional learning and growth. Adding on to the growth and innovation, Wanted introduces to you Roundup. Roundup is a video interview collaboration tool for every team. With a simple download of the Chrome browser extension, Roundup invites you and your team to host hiring interviews on Google Meet, share interview evaluations, then round up all interviewer comments in a single dashboard, all to help your team efficiently reach the best hiring decision. It is currently free and available on www.roundup.ai. Hi, I'm Adrian Tan, and this is my podcast where I deep dive into matters surrounding HR tech and the future of work. I was a former HR serial entrepreneur and write extensively about the future of work on my blog. You may know me better through the Singapore HR tech market map that I created in 2017. In this podcast, I speak with the people who are enabling the future of work. From mindfulness coach to employee engagement platform, they are all helping companies to better navigate rising work and business demands. I'm hoping that sharing in this podcast will help you better prepare yourself and your business for what the future of work may bring. Hey, Benjamin, thank you for coming onto the podcast. Hey, Adrian, thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'd like to start off to understand more about your background. And I do understand that it's an interesting aspect of it because the chain of events that led you to Southeast Asia is pretty interesting and quite unique for someone who has been in, in this field for so long. For sure. I'm French, so I spent um, most of my uh, childhood in France. And as you just mentioned, actually, I used to, to, to play a, a sport that is a very mediatized and very um, uh, much followed in Southeast Asia, but much less so in France, which is badminton. So I used to, to play badminton a lot. I used to be uh, in the French uh, team for badminton. And that's what led me, actually, a long time ago, to visit, to visit Southeast Asia, to visit Malaysia, to visit Singapore and other countries in the region, basically to play with people who were actually the best players in the world. So that was an amazing experience. And, and then when I went on with my life, I started with PwC in France a few years and so on. Then uh, after a few years, when I decided that it was time for me to, you know, just go and discover more of the world, I would say, Quickly, of course, because of that badminton background and that experience in Southeast Asia a few years before, that's what led me to, to seize a, a great opportunity in the region with a, with a French company. So yeah, that's, a, that's badminton, which led me definitely to the region. So when I came to, to, to Malaysia in 2011, I uh, spent some time with a French multinational. So I was managing a, a shared service center there with large teams of people and so on. So that's what ultimately led me to co-found Brio HR, which we might come back to in a, in a minute. And after, after this, actually, I lived in Singapore for some time. I completed an MBA in SEAL before going back to Kuala Lumpur to work as a consultant for McKinsey and then joining uh, Lazada as the head of strategy. And that's roughly at this time where everything switched and, and tilted towards uh, starting uh, my own company uh, with my co-founder, Nabil Udgiri. She's Brio HR, and the, the really what we do with Brio HR is helping SMEs, so I would say mid-market companies, so let's say all the way from 15, 20 employees to up to 2,000 employees, to digitize the full employee journey in terms of HR processes. 
So that's in a nutshell uh, who I am and what we do. I, I can imagine that the pivot across over to become your own boss might have been pretty interesting because you were previously with uh, Lazada Group, McKinsey, I would say somehow in a cushy job, but you made a leap to go into entrepreneurship. What was the key motivation there? So it, 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 it's funny how it happened because between McKinsey and Lazada, uh, I took a paternity leave of four months. I wanted to be at home. I wanted to participate. So I took a, a fairly uh, long paternity leave. And at the beginning of this paternity leave, I didn't think at all about becoming an entrepreneur, becoming my own boss and so on. Whereas a few weeks later, Still during this paternity leave, I could only think about this, which eventually again led me to, to take the leap and, and start Brilliant Charm. Definitely there, there was a, a, a leap and this actually came from my experience at PwC back in France, at CMS, so where I was a financial auditor. So, you know, financial auditor, it's, I was very lucky to review processes, to analyze how companies worked. And it was across um, maybe 50 SMEs in the span of three years. So I, I got my first exposure about what was good, what was maybe missing. And that missing part came back to, to my mind when I started thinking about it. Then at CMSCGM, it was a bit different. Uh, the French multinational I joined in uh, Malaysia, where it was more about managing large-scale team. So I'm, I was managing a team and then a business unit with first 50 people, then up to 200 people. And then it was then also that I started thinking about how could I have been more effective, I would say, as a manager, as a people manager, as a business unit leader, and so on. And it, it all started to come together. It's like, what tool could have helped me be more efficient and also help my team be more efficient when I was doing this? So fast forward then, I did my MBA, came back, joined McKinsey, same here as a consultant. I've seen a lot of different companies, bigger companies, and, and always the same thing happened. I always felt that there were no uh, proper tools, proper enablers to be as efficient as possible. So that's really what all came together. And then becoming my own boss was not really, I would say, part of the question, part of the part of something I would even think about. I was focused on that, uh, that problems, that, that lack, I think, of appropriate tools that I witnessed and that I felt uh, as a manager myself. That's really why suddenly I became from I would say a, a normal employee with, a, as you say, a, a cushy job, uh, even if it was a, a lot of hard work and so on, to, uh, again, take the leap and start from scratch, uh, and, and which, which leads us to, to talk today. So the ideation actually came because of your paternity leave. So in a way, you have your kid to thank for having <laughs> this whole idea of becoming an entrepreneur. Different companies obviously have different people issues. What is the key theme that you're seeing across all your previous jobs? that has yet to be solved in a satisfactory way. The traditional view is to say our recruitment was done a bit more, a bit too, too manually. New general onboarding was not really done. Leaves and payroll, yeah, they, was, they were usually the most, I would say, software-enabled processes, the, the most common, but still could have been done better. Then you could think about performance management being also done manually. And actually, this is, is what I would, I would call the traditional view, but actually uh, my view and our view with my co-founder since the very beginning is that the, the biggest problem, in fact, is that all those processes were independent. Like it's beyond the fact that it was manual and it had to be digitized to, to, to be uh, 
much more advanced, much more progressive, forward-looking, and so on. The big problem, in my opinion, was that uh, even though you would digitize those processes, you would still have two, three, four different softwares uh, where users have to log in and then do this and do that. And so, so from the very beginning, what we wanted to solve was this lack of really all-in-one covering from the recruitment, onboarding, core HR, and performance management. Why do you think companies have been living with this problem for such a long time? Is it because they do not have motivation to get everything onto a single platform or does that single platform never exist to begin with? I think it's a bit of a combination. What I've witnessed over the past 10 years in, in the region in Southeast Asia is that, uh, yes, of course, you always have the, the US at the, at, the, at the forefront often of, uh, of a lot of innovation. It's not true for everything. Uh, Southeast Asia or Asia as a whole is ahead in a few uh, areas. But traditionally, we see that the, the US is in a very innovative in terms of tech in terms of people practices and so on. And then uh, what, I, what I've seen is that Southeast Asia tends to catch up with the US progressively. And what I've seen actually is that when it starts catching up, it goes very fast up to leapfrog basically uh, US or Europe in, in many aspects. And actually I've seen that happen in terms of the people management uh, over my last 10 years where people are more and more at the center, I would say, of the company strategy. Companies and company executives have said that people are our number one asset. But not much was done, actually, to really materialize that, to really prove that uh, it was the, the belief at the time, which I see feeling. So that's one part where I really see an evolution, and I think it's what also enables this full uh, transformation. And of course, the second one, and that's definitely where UHR comes, is that we felt that companies were lacking uh, the tools that were, I would say, modern enough uh, and, and, and flexible enough to adapt to their specificities while still being easy to implement and so on. And, and that's what really we work day, day to day to achieve, to really fill the gap for the mid-market companies. You have the big US-based um, uh, solutions such as SAP, Oracle, Workday, they are great, but they are for huge MNCs. They are very heavy, very expensive, very complex, and so on. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have, uh, in our opinion, some solutions that cater very well for the, the smaller SMEs, like the micro SMEs. We felt that there was a, a lack of solutions in the mid-market, and that's what, we, that's what we set out to, to change. And you are currently focusing very much in Malaysia, Singapore, as well as a few of the regional countries uh, in Southeast Asia. Uh, and Singapore, of course, would be one of the more unique countries because of the size of the country and the fact that 99% of the companies here are actually small and medium enterprise. Would that become somewhat of an issue or a challenge for Brio HR, given that I would reckon there isn't really many of such mid-sized companies in Singapore, or would you be looking at some other set of audience instead in Singapore? I, I think the, the, the Singapore mix of, uh, of SMEs and the size is actually just perfect. It's really what we are looking at for, I would say, two main. First is that our software works extremely well for companies literally from 15, 20 employees onwards. So 15, 20 employees to up to 2,000 employees, and, and you have in Singapore a huge concentration in of local, I would say, and regional SMEs in, in, that, in that spectrum. But also... 
on the other end of the on the, on the second side is that the local subsidiaries of multinationals or the local or regional subsidiaries of multinationals and, and as well as the, the regional companies like the, the Southeast Asian companies a lot of them actually quartered in Singapore and actually we have developed really something that helps managing subsidiaries that helps really take into account the fact that a lot of Singaporean companies could be local and or regional and that's the solution that we have developed for Soe. So in fact, Singapore is the perfect is the perfect market for Briochra and, and we have a lot of Singaporean clients but moving, switching from US-based solutions or, or solutions that were a bit more focused towards micro SMEs but could not follow them or grow with them in terms of processes. So actually we, we feel that there is a perfect mix for, for Briochra in, in Singapore and that's also why uh, we have started it and why we want to focus on Southeast Asia mainly, even though we have clients beyond Southeast Asia. And you guys were part of the one of the best global startup accelerator, Y Combinator, and received uh, 1.3 million in funding as well to grow the business. I want to understand throughout that process, you definitely have fine-tuned your hypothesis versus when you first step in. What has changed in terms of mindset, opinion, preconceived notion throughout the entire journey with Y Combinator? So Y Combinator was definitely an amazing thing uh, for us because it, it, it gave us a lot of uh, uh, tools, resources, also some visibility. So definitely amazing. Uh, in terms of the, the evolution of the business, the ideas, the definition of the software and so on, because Y Combinator is still fairly short time, three, three months, which was from January to, to March um, earlier in 2021, we I would say that this process really started from day one, actually. What's funny is that we first designed Brio HR like on a piece of paper, like not even drawing, but writing what functions, what happens when you do this, do that, what do you need, and so on. A very long, uh, very long list of modules and features and so on. What's funny is that even though today we could refer to that same list and it would be applicable, so it seems like a smooth, uh, oh yeah, I've just built what I thought about on, the, on day one, but actually the reality is much more nuanced. So when you actually confront your solution to the first early adopters, to the first users, or a new module to some clients, there will always be some things that you will learn that you could never have suspected. So I would say that even though the vision of the all-in-one and the, and the high-level vision of uh, HR software that we had at the very beginning is here, the journey then to cater for every single detail that companies need and so on and so on, uh, that definitely was a bit more... Uh, uh, rocky, which is the beauty actually of the journey, of the entrepreneurship journey, I would say. And I understand as that you guys were featured in TechCrunch and they mentioned that Brio HR is one of the most promising startups in the batch. From your perspective, why do you think there is such a, a unique title bestowed onto Brio HR? What is your unfair advantage versus the many different HRMS uh, system that's also trying to uh, come into the market or have already entered the market? Yeah, that's definitely the, the, the TechCrunch article was, was a, also a big event for us because just as a tech company being featured in TechCrunch, it's uh, already uh, uh, an achievement in itself. Of course, it's not an end, but it's uh, still a, an achievement. But having them, TechCrunch, so the number one uh, the number one outlet for you know tech news in the world to dub HR as one of the most uh, promising or interesting startup in the Y Combinator batch, was just crazy. Like we were, we were, like, we were even like even surprised ourselves because when you see the other companies uh, that we were with in the Y Combinator match, 
they were honestly 100% of them were extremely impressive and so we were like very, very happy to to be picked like this in in one of the in one of the top choices and i think some of the reasons could be first our focus on 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 southeast asia which is really like a, a growing region a region which has this need this rapid need of digitization and so on. So that's definitely there is something about being a new player in that upcoming region economically with a lot of prospects for the years to come and so on. So that's one. And I think actually what you just said is, is part of the reason as well is that even though there are a lot of HR solutions, there are a lot of HR solutions focused on recruitment, focused on something else. There are some that try to cover a few of them. But I think what they, what they notice is that we pay a particular attention to the interface. We pay a particular attention to really fit to the small details uh, that our clients talk to us uh, about and so on. So I, I think that one of the reasons is in this environment where a lot of players exist, the fact that so the fact that we, we were proposing something different, something that goes further, uh, was one of the reasons to say, oh, actually, among that many uh, softwares, actually, we like this one. We see this one, which is... Uh, different and so on. So I, I think that's a reason in itself, actually, the fact that, that it's an industry that exists and, and with some, some, uh, some players. Taking care of the details definitely is something many users and customers would appreciate in trying to uh, solve their problem. So specific to what you have seen in your customers across Malaysia, Singapore, and many other countries, could you give a few examples on the small little things that Brio HR actually took pains to correct, which many HRMS companies would just expect you to live with? Yeah, the, the example that I like to take, especially when I talk to international you know, counterparts and, and, and so on, or even potential investors and so on, is actually a very simple detail. For example, the notion of having a, a preferred name, a, a usual name that is different from the official name. This is very prevalent uh, thing in uh, Singapore, in Malaysia and in the region, but it's something that is unheard of in, let's say, in Europe, in the US, and so on. So that's an example of really how the localization really plays a big role. Uh, so that's just more funny example than the, rather than the, being the biggest pain point. But in terms of, of pain point, that there is really all the things about onboarding, and like how do you uh, make this process that is often ignored, but actually very complete and very complex uh, because you have a multitude of tasks to, to complete and so on. How do you actually go deep in the details so that it can really smoothen out the experience for both the HR but also for the new joiners. So that's an example of the onboarding where we really pushed it uh, so that it can really bring something that was, again, different, bring something that was new and not only something purely administrative but also something about user experience, employee experience and so on. I'm sorry I have to get you to give away one of your unique advantage to other competitors who may be listening to the podcast, but I'm sure you have many other things up your sleeve. Another thing that I'd like to find out from you is I can understand that Brio HR actually covers quite a fair bit of areas, so from recruitment to onboarding, time tracking, expenses, so on and so forth. And it's really end-to-end -end from hire to exit or hire to fire, whichever comes first. <laughs> I, I want to understand because in today's context, there are also a lot of one-trick pony. There's companies that only do ATS, for example. You have the Telio, you have the Recruiter Pal. You have, of course, also have companies that only does employee engagement, like Engage Rocket, so on and so forth. What's the key differentiation from a user perspective for them to consider a, a Brio HR where it's more of an all-in-one software 
versus getting this different bundle of software together and try to integrate them. Because in today's context, actually integration is not as tough or as hard as a few years ago. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a, it was a, a very ambitious goal that we set at the very beginning to be uh, an all-in-one, but to be good at every single module. Obviously, the idea is, is definitely not to dive the different modules. So for sure, there is a, a, a huge focus we have on the day-to-day -day about the innovation, the, 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 the quality assurance, the, everything basically the, the, in, in order to, to really make sure that we can expand both horizontally in terms of having more areas, I would say, of the HR spectrum covered, of the employee lifecycle covered, while still go deep enough in each of those areas. I would say that it depends a bit on the clients. So, for example, in the US, it's fairly common to have what they call an HR tech stack. So having different solutions for different, for different areas. But then what we feel is that a lot of the time, this is good for bigger companies who can invest in, uh, I mean, extra fund in people just managing different systems because different systems with different vendors, even if the APIs are, are there, there are still some APIs to, to, to maintain, to make sure work, to test and so on, because it often goes beyond the single sign-on that we, of course, uh, provide as well. And then it, it's really about, for us, identifying the day-to-day the -day pain, I would say pain points, of uh, the HR professionals and also of the employees using the app. So what we're trying to do actually is really to have this backbone, uh, this backbone of, of, a, of an HR environment, HR process environment uh, covered by your all-in-one. But we ourselves actually can integrate uh, with some other uh, tools. So of course we talk about in software, so that's the, the beyond the scope of HR, but even within the scope of HR, uh, synchronizing your users with some other apps that you would be using and so on is something that we do and that we are pushing actually a lot because we feel that sometimes some companies will need the most advanced ATS, uh, so applicant tracking system, recruitment software, there is. In this case, we, we are very happy to say, hey, you know what, the, the ATS we have works for 90% for clients. Maybe for you, we would suggest actually that you use you know, one of the one of the big, uh, expensive, specialized one, and so on. So we, we are actually happy to play this platform role, if you want, if, if required. And, and what our client needs is really above any consideration of, uh, of uh, just pushing our modules and so on. So it's really a dual approach that we are taking advantage of all the APIs and integration capabilities. I really like that, putting client first instead of just peddling whatever you have uh, to ensure that they buy uh, as much as possible from you. So that truly makes sense for me. So the other thing that I'd like to understand from you would be within your space, how do you foresee the future of what? It's a very interesting question. The future of work, if as I remember, I've been talking or we've been hearing more about the future of work since forever. So there will always be anyway, uh, in my opinion, a future of work that's different kind of from whatever we have today. Uh, however, in terms of the future of work that we were talking about in the last five, 10 years, uh, definitely this pandemic and, and I would say encounter between the pandemic and the right technology um, at the right time, basically put us or, or basculated the world in the future of work. So the future of work that I see over the next few years uh, is really Today is really the, like the one we see today, like the model we see today in terms of enabling more and more remote teams, uh, distributed teams, and so on. So get rid of some physical 
barriers, physical constraints, in order to be able to take advantage of talent globally and so on. So we, of course, see that at BioHR with a lot of companies saying, oh, we have 100 people in five countries in the region. It's a bit painful to manage and so on. Then with BioHR, they will be able to basically harmonize, standardize everything. But we also see that with companies such as um, Oyster deal to HR tech companies who actually help you hire seamlessly anywhere in the world uh, in a very legal and compliant way. And we, to me, the single uh, most uh, important thing that I would find, that I would think, I would say, we did here to last is this uh, remote work distribution of work and so on. Uh, relying on data, for example, is another big topic, like the big data and so on. I do believe that uh, in Southeast Asia, we are still building the infrastructure to later leverage on big data, AI, and so on. I don't think we are there for the coming two, three, four years. And I think the future will also place a lot of responsibility on individuals as well to make sure that you're nimble and agile enough to move towards what the future may bring. So with that in mind, what, some of, what is one key thing that you have done to the way you work right now that is very different from 10 years ago when you were with, with PwC, the way you approach work, the concept, or maybe just one productivity hack that you are applying on a daily basis uh, compared to 10 years ago? Yeah, that's interesting. And so I definitely, when I worked at PwC, when I worked even at CMA, CGM, um, it was a lot, of course, presence-based work. So there was nothing that could not be done uh, remotely and so on, but uh, we still had to be in the office and so on, which is still, I think, the majority of the companies, of course, outside of any lockdown and, and forced uh, remote work. Today, I, I do think really that the productivity and the hack in terms of always being able to, to move forward and to innovate is to think it's hard to say, it's to, it's to never think that your plan is the plan. <laughs> you, it's, I, I think it's very important to have a plan, like laying out a, a strategy over what I do next week, what I do next month, what I do next year, and maybe, but no more than one sentence description, where I want to be in five years. So I think it's still fine to have this plan, but the big part of any plan we make has to be, in my opinion, with a daily uh, reminder that the plan can change. And to me, that's really the difference uh, today, which is much more ingrained, uh, especially how tech is, is built. I take the example of big banks when they built their whole infrastructure, I don't know, maybe 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, their whole IT infrastructure. It was not necessarily the mindset, meaning that today it's much too heavy for them to actually change. So they will be, uh, they, they, they will eventually maybe manage to, to, do, to, to renew their infrastructure and to be able to really compete with the new players in fintech and so on. But it's very different and it will take much more uh, money and time compared to the today, I would say, mentality where everything you do, it will evolve. It's really the iteration uh, and constant innovation mindset that I think is important. So have a plan, but every day be ready to adjust the plan. Not again to run in all kinds of directions and so on, of course, but still adjust pieces of the plan to adapt to uh, something you learned from yesterday, something you learned from this morning, something that happened in the, the environment and so on. I guess it's quite similar to what we talk about when it comes to running businesses. The traditional businesses will be very top-down, expecting you to put... All, when it comes to project development, you are expected to do a waterfall chart and all that many years ago. But right now, it's just come up with an MVP, validate, pivot, 
And that's how one should also approach their daily work and to ensure that they reach to the right end goal. So thank you so much for sharing your tip with us. And before we end off, for people who's interested to find out more about Brio HR, where should they go to? So there are many ways to reach out to us. So of course, uh, our website, uh, www.briohr.com. Dot com, so B-R-I-O-H-R. Um, but of course, I'm also always happy to, to have uh, people reach out to me directly uh, because I, I really uh, gain a lot from discussions and I love uh, still to, to, to do demos of the software and so on. Benjamin.croc at BrioHR.com. Uh, so BenjaminBrioHR.com. Uh, just feel free to, to, to send an email to me directly and uh, I will be happy to, to take up the conversation. And if relevant, to direct you to, to whoever can help you the, the most in the team. This and more will be added to the show notes. Thank you so much again, Benjamin, for your time today in this podcast. Lovely conversation. Thank you very much, Adrian. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you are using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.